encourage yourself in the Lord. Praise the Lord. You are listening to the broadcast of True Bible Mission for Jesus Church, located at 6010 West Mill Road, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the pastor is Elaine Allen. Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Praise, Praise the, the Lord, Lord, it's chat, chat time, time again. Yes, praise the Lord, it's chat time again. This week, we will continue our discussion of current events and scriptures. Lord, praise the Lord. So this week, I want to talk about a current event. I want to start with a current event. And it's actually about scripture. I was listening to national news one day recently. And it was a female, a well-known female reporter. And, you know, I was just, I can't even remember what the topic was, but I remember what she said. And she told, you know, she was interviewing somebody, and she said, it's, so what you're doing is like what it says in the Bible. Give a man a fish and he can eat for a day. But teach him how to fish, he can eat for a lifetime. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, well, did I hear that right? I've never read that in the Bible. Right. And, you know, it goes to how we used to do some of those um, things that we think are in the Bible, and they really aren't. Well, I can tell you that isn't in the Bible. And I'm really surprised that you know, because they're so particular about putting the correct thing on TV, on radio, on so the they news. Say. Yeah, but she went ahead and she talked about this and nobody corrected her. So I want to tell you that there, uh, there are some scriptures that are similar to that, but nothing... The way that she... It. You know, and I know a lot of people do that, you know, even when I was working, you know, somebody who was so religious, so into scriptures, they said, teach a man to fish, and then he can eat for a lifetime, you know, but I guess... <laughs> I guess so, I mean, when Elvis Presley uh, came out with the song, uh, where angels are fear to tread, fools rush in, and yeah. that's not scripture either. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that on Touched by an Angel, too. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I think Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 reads, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Yeah. and Right, but that has... Nothing, Nothing to, to do, do with, with giving him a fish sandwich. So. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew twenty five thirty five. Matthew twenty five and thirty five reads, "For I was in hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in." And then there's Matthew four nineteen. But, you know, that has nothing to do with uh, fish. That's the closest. <laughs> with fish dinners or whatever. <laughs> no. I, you know, I, I, and Matthew 4, 19 reads, And he said unto them, Follow me, 
and I will make you fishers of men. Well, yeah, that's talking spiritual, but I, I don't, I, I forgot the person who came up with the phrase. The phrase is a legitimate phrase. There was, there was a famous individual who, who made that uh, particular statement, you know, and no one, I guess, ever thought to call her on it either. Either they didn't know that it wasn't in the scriptures. Or they didn't think it was significant enough to point out that it wasn't in the scripture. And maybe something closer to that would be Ephesians chapter 4, mm-hmm. verse 28. Maybe that might be a little bit closer to the phrase that they were given. Mm-hmm. That uh, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs but that's different that's not teaching they're saying you have the capability to work rather than to steal you know well everybody yeah I think in essence in essence I think that's um, you're saying let him that stole steal no more you know, because what would they do if you didn't give them a fish t- a fish sandwich? Oh, like oh, fish say. dinner? Something. <laughs> fish I have no idea. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's something. Let's see. Um, I don't know. How about Matthew 14, verses 15 to 21? Yes. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave those loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained it twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men, beside women and children. Well, that's still, that's just like giving somebody a fish for a day. Right. So it, it has nothing to do with uh, teaching be, teaching somebody so that they can make a, a living, you know, to support so themselves. Can? They say it's a Chinese proverb. Some say... Some say it was by a Jewish philosopher by the name of Maimonides with considerable influence on Jewish thought. Well, so really we don't know the exact origin, but we do know it's not in the Bible. And it's a very popular phrase, that's for sure. Anyway, moving on. I had several articles sent to me by someone, um, and they all kind of touch on the same thing. Uh, One article is called, uh, um, I think a couple of them are from the Christian Post and one is like a question and answer. One says, are Christians who commit suicide condemned to hell? And then another article says, is hell real? If 
It is, how could a loving God send anyone there? And the third article is, how can heaven be perfect if all of our loved ones are not there? So, how can it be perfect if all of our loved ones are not there? Abby, what what are they counting as perfection? I mean, what 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 are they talking about? I I can't answer something because I don't have any idea of what they consider perfection to be. Their their concept of perfection has to line up with God's word. So. Well, I think it says something like that in Psalm 18, verse 30, that God is perfect. Right, and that, and that the love of the Lord that we embrace, that's the perfection we strive for. Just because of a, an individual that you might love is or be connected to in, in, a, in, in a way, whether it's through blood or friendship or whatever, that's not God's definition of perfection. So if you're not yielding or accepting his, his truth, for you, heaven wouldn't be perfect for you. And therefore, I, I, it probably would be no place there because for you because your concept, it, it, you, you can't be on one accord unless you are in agreement. So if you don't agree what the Lord's concept of perfection is, when he tells you he is love, it, it doesn't matter. Well, first of all, you have you have to establish there is a hell. Right. There definitely by reading scripture, you know that there is a hell, and there are people who are in this world going through things that say they feel like they're in hell, or because of the involvement that they're in in drugs or alcohol or demonic or um oh. you know things that they dabble in right like, um which which feeds the uh, witchcraft or the flesh and, and the carnal spirit, and, and or look at the people that take, you know, in the seventies they did LSD and then they did some terrible things. They heard voices. They jumped off of roofs. They killed themselves or maimed themselves or, you know, and now it's ecstasy and they end up in hospitals and confused right. and disoriented and mentally. Because it's like a spirit. Um, but hell is real. Right. But I think people live, try to live according to the negative. I don't think a person should try to live their life trying to avoid hell. That, that to me, is giving sin and giving Satan too much, too much influence. I think uh, based upon scripture and looking at the love and the sacrifice that the Lord has made, that your life should be centered on living to please the Lord and to find favor with the Lord. Because looking, the Lord says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Choose life, choose death. And you choose to live, you choose life. And on the scripture from Psalms 18 and 30 reads, As for God... His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Right, and that's the key. That's, uh, right. he, you, you can get to heaven uh, if you trust in him, if you get saved, if you repent from your ways. So, that you, so that you have a love, a, a love so strong that you're connected to a love so strong that it defies death. And the love is so perfect that it rules out 
darkness, a love so perfect that it gives you total peace. Now, you know, um, being an alcoholic, that's in darkness. Right. Being a drug addict, you're in darkness, whether you believe it or not. I mean, it doesn't matter how the drug makes you feel or the alcohol makes you feel. You know, I, I've heard, uh, I, I'm acquainted with uh, someone who, oh, he, well, she passed away recently, but she had a brother who was an alcoholic, and she, we would pray that the Lord would take away the taste of alcohol from her brothers so that he would get get saved and delivered from alcoholism. But on the opposite side, you know, she had another sister who felt like it was, um, there was nothing wrong with drinking. Right. That's because you have to, first of all, you have to recognize that God is. So when a person says, well, if our loved ones aren't there, it, who you love, you love God above all. He's first in, in your life. He, he redefines you so that even though you love someone, your love for the Lord supersedes any and all, anything, anyone, so that you wouldn't want something that to be spotted or contaminated. The Lord said without a spot or without a, without a wrinkle. So the thing about it is, say if your loved one, even though you love them, if they choose sin, if they choose death, there's nothing you can do about that. And they don't, you know, the people, when they're in that state of mind of drinking and doing drugs, they don't feel like they're in a bad state. They, you know, they just feel like, oh, I'm going to heaven too. I, I believe God. I, He's merciful. He's going to take care of me, you know. And this person ultimate that I was talking about died in sin, sort of tragically. You know, it's sad, but it's when you're in that state of mind, you're you're actually rejecting the Lord. Right. So, so when you say, well, when you're in heaven, a truth, uh, a revelation, transforms everything. The Lord said, and at that time, every secret thing, every mystery, every hidden thing, will be revealed, so that you don't see a person the way you envision them. You see the person through the eyes of the Lord. You see the person through the eyes of truth. You see the person through the eyes of love. And therefore, heaven will be perfect because you see perfection. You're connected to perfection. And that perfection is, is love. So the truth exposes everything. So regardless of how we might feel towards somebody. It's happened even in the natural realm, like the Lord told Samuel. Like, don't bother me anymore about Saul, because the Lord saw Saul for who he was. Samuel saw Saul for who he thought he was. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do a lot of times. Um, the scripture that, for me, seals the fact that there's really a hell is in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. When I first read it, and I was thinking in terms of, because I pray for, you know, people, not just family members, loved ones. I just, you know, it, it just hit, it opened up my eyes. 
Yes, Luke 16, 19-31 reads, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's feet table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, father Abraham, but if one went up to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Amen, and that is so true. And because Jesus rose from the dead, and they still don't believe. Right, right. So, after reading this, you realize that your soul does not die with your body. Right. Your soul is alive your soul is conscious you're you know your soul is aware of what's going on and you can be rich and you're still gonna go to hell or you and die if and you could be poor <laughs> and you can be poor and you're you still can go to hell and die and reading that scripture you find out that there is a place of suffering right beyond the grave right and so uh, but a person shouldn't uh, live their life fearing hell they should live their life reverencing and fearing the lord he was able to, to put your soul into hell he who can separate the spirit from the soul the marrow from the bone and that hell isn't the last of it you know because he tells us in the last days, the lake of fire. And what did the Lord say? For our God is a consuming fire. So therefore, the wrath of the Lord, that's what we should be looking at, uh, reverencing the Lord, he who is able to. It's like Moses. They said because 
they they dedicated in in the temple with the sprinkling of the blood, lest the wrath of the Lord that uh, consumed on, uh, them on the mountaintop when they saw the smoke and the fire. He said, lest the the same wrath that touched them when he smote them with the serpents would would touch them. You know, the the same wrath that took uh, the Egyptians and drowned them in the Red Sea. And Moses had enough sense to know that if you uh, didn't believe, the same fate could befall them. And so we look to the Lord, look to live, look to, to life, look to joy. You know, not looking and living your life in, with a fearful look. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we wouldn't have that fear uh, hemmed up in us and bound in our heart to the point where we just did not uh, have hope uh, we were uncertain about our end. We have an expected end. And that expected end is in Christ. So that, you know, it made me think, you know, when it said that that rich man said, go, go send somebody to my five brothers. Right. They'll listen, they'll listen, but it's true. They won't listen. No. I mean, you can tell somebody until they're blue in the face. Right. You can come back in bodily form and they'll say, well, you should have been a spirit. You can come back in the spirit form and they say, well, you should have came back flesh and blood. And you would not be able to please them no matter what. The Lord is saying, if you don't believe God's word, if you can't, if you don't have faith, if you don't exercise your faith, it won't matter. You have to have the type of heart where you're going to trust in the Lord and you're going to recognize the truth. And once you recognize the truth, you're going to accept the truth because some people recognize the truth, but they don't want to accept it. Now, the other article was talking about suicide, um, that are Christians who commit suicide condemned to hell? I think it depends on... No. On, on what? I don't know of all. I, I, you know, I don't know. If you're a Christian, if you're a saint, I don't know if you would commit suicide. Well, you, you, you shouldn't, but, but say, for instance, see, I think it depends on where you are in, in, your, in your heart, in, in, in your life. So say, for instance, if you committed suicide and it was so swift and so sudden, you didn't have a chance to repent, then I, then I believe you, you enter into perdition. But now say, for instance, if you... Perdition meaning hell. Hell. So now, say for, or condemnation. I mean, whether it's the lake of fire, meaning that you're going to be completely separated from God. Now, if you end up committing suicide, and say, say for instance, it's a slow-acting poison, and you, <laughs> and you realize what you've done to yourself, and you repent, and the Lord saves you, you still might die, but yet you're saved. So. Everything that you built on your foundation is nothing, but your foundation is still there. So, so you're saved, and the Lord has had mercy upon you. He's He's had compassion upon you, and in that case, if I was a doorkeeper like David said, I'd be satisfied. So that committing suicide is a sin. Suicide is a sin. I believe so. Suicide is a murder. Right. murdering yourself. Right. So if you repent of murdering yourself, if you have that opportunity to repent of your sins, because he said you can repent. So you might have an opportunity to repent. You might not ever recover from your, your actions physically, but spiritually you could be spared. Or it could be so sudden that you don't, you don't have, have a chance. chance to do it. Right. So um, 
We're made in the image and likeness of God. Right. So that's an attack on God. That's rejecting him. That's rejecting life. It's rejecting life. So therefore, we don't... uh, We... As saints, we don't want to get to that point where you feel uh, there's no hope because that is that's a that's a lack of faith. That's that's a deceitfulness of sin. So a lot of these things that people go through when they feel like there's no hope, and they actually believe that if they would kill themselves, somehow it would be better. It would be better. See, now that's a that's an unknown. That's a lack of, of knowing something. That's having faith in in a lie, faith in, in deception. You don't know anything about it, but you know the Lord because there's because something here on right. earth that there are people, there are pastors, there are ministers, evangelists, there are revival, there's but churches. The, right, but it's not unknown. You know death is death. You know that, that you're separating yourself. So, But in your thinking, you've deceived yourself into thinking that you have more peace, and he's told you where your peace lies. So you can't do like Cain and invent your own system. And decide that you're going to redefine what peace is. You're going to redefine what life is. You can't do that. You can't sit there and offer your own version of what the sacrifice should be. He has told you there's only one way. There's only one door. There's, you have to go through this door. Unless you become as a thief and a robber trying to get in some other way. There is no other way. And then with suicide, there are a lot of people, you know, at the funerals you see, you hear... Um, you know, people believe that they're in a better place because they suffered here on earth. They, I mean, even with people who are sick all the time, terminally ill, you know, you hear that all the time. That they're, But I don't know. I don't know what happened between the person and the Lord at that last moment. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah, I was thinking, too, that um, it gives you a false sense, like you were saying, a false sense of peace. I mean, you may not physically go through the torment anymore but that's not it there's like it's like a it's like another part it's like you're you're not uh for your soul is not tied to your natural body your soul is just housed in a shell your shell might not be tormented but that's not the the actual person right so you it's a so you you may not go in the through in the physical form but Right, so your tabernacle goes back to, to the dust. dust. So there are a lot of uh, preachers out there, ministers, pastors, a lot of them that don't believe that suicide that does separates you from the Lord. There are a lot of people what? that will, pastors that will say, and I think it's, well, I'm not even going to point anybody out, but I've read articles where they've said that, you know, a, a particular son committed suicide he was saved at a very young age and I believe that that the Lord has preserved him some people believe once saved always saved that's because there's certain scriptures that if if you don't read the word that's like he says every word of God and if you try to take it out of context you'll be thinking a person can do anything they want to do and yet they will still be considered to be saved in the end and that's not so and they have to recognize that suicide is a rejection. It's a, a choice. That's different from the sacrifice. Suicide is a rejection of life. And it's and when you do that, when you don't seek the Lord. Now, say, for instance, if you truly believe there's nothing wrong with it, but the Lord says, 
You have to acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. So the difference, if you actually felt there was nothing wrong with it, then there's nothing wrong with you going to the Lord, telling the Lord this is what you're considering because you actually feel like there's nothing wrong with it, and asking God, is it okay? Now, if you feel like you can't go to the Lord and ask him that, then you deep down within, you know within yourself that something's wrong with it because he says you have to acknowledge me in all your ways, and I'll direct your path. I'll tell you whether or not it's acceptable in my sight. I'll tell you whether or not I approve of it or you have my favor. And the Lord will tell you, you embrace life. You don't reject life. Now, now there are people who are suffering, and they're suffering so that they feel like they'd rather be dead. When you're at the point <clears throat> of wanting to commit suicide, when you're at that point, it's just so dark. It's just a dark, you're in a very, very dark place. You're, you feel like there's no hope. But living and serving and seeking after the Lord, there's still hope. Right. There is still hope. Things can change in a blink of an eye. All Lord has to do is one one word from God can change your whole life in a minute. Right. And, you know, you hear about people in accidents, you know, everything is fine, and just at that moment you have a fatal accident, your whole life changes the, for the families and everything. And just like that, one word from God can change your life for the better, for the good, for the best. Right, so when you're going through, because some people, when they're going through illness and they're going through the pain and they're going through the suffering, God is able. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Proverbs 13 and 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthroweth the sinner. Now ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what happens to a just man that falls, and what happens to the wicked when they fall? The answer is, the just man rises up, and the wicked falls into mischief. That can be found in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, which reads, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. This week's food for thought is, where are the eyes of the Lord? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.